0: You are listening to Natural Born Alchemist. Welcome to episode number 161 of the Natural Born Alchemist podcast. My name is Alex and I'll be your host. In this week's episode, my guest is Aaron Wucht. After more than 20 years of extensive world travel, researching ancient civilizations and their respective cosmologies, and combined with self-imposed study of the metaphysical, the book The Spirit in the Sky was born. And this work, amongst many things looks at the similarities between the constellation Orion and the molecular structure of DMT. And the similarities are striking, I must say. So thanks for uh, being on the podcast.
1: Thank you for inviting me, firstly. it's, uh, It's an amazing opportunity. Thank you very much.
0: So can you explain to the listeners a bit about yourself?
1: Sure, sure. Um... OK, essentially, um, I'm a writer now, I guess. And that's, ki- that's kind of come along um, rather unexpectedly, to be fair. I um, I was working security detail for the European Space Agency a couple of years ago. Um, and unfortunately, I had an accident. Um, and I've not been able to, to, to work since, um, which has been extremely unfortunate. And I'm wa- actually waiting for a third spinal surgery at the moment. Um, but my research was basically leading up to everything leading up to the accident really. Um, I, w- I would discuss with fellow work colleagues of mine and basically they would say to me, look, <laughs> you are um, you need to write this stuff down, people have got to know. Um, but it was fine in the time, um, so yeah, I got, I got dealt um, a rough hand I guess. Um, and had time on my hands um, whilst I'm, yeah, recovering from spinal surgeries. Really, so um, I, I started to to write and 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 came up with what I've now what I'm now basically, do, yeah, describing as the Spirit in the Sky hypothesis. Um, my book, my latest book, is The Spirit in the Sky: Ancient Cosmological Gods um, and Where in the World We Find Them, which is <laughs> quite in depth, to be fair. It's a It's quite an intense subject matter, but I'm hoping to have produced um, quite a bite-sized work, to be fair. Yeah, my initial manuscript was edited by some 350 pages due to uh, production costs because of the illustrations and bits and pieces that are are in the book. Um, Excuse me. So everything had to be kind of, I guess, made smaller, more accessible, really, um, because otherwise the book was going to be far too expensive. What is the spirit in the sky about? This um, is what you're asking. <laughs> i um, It may be a bit easier if I just describe the the literally the back page of the of the book. To be fair, um, I've actually gathered some some nice support um, recently as well um, via Graham Hancock. It's it's nice to be recognised for for the research. To be fair, um, and Graham Hancock has actually stated um, pretty much the forward to the book. Um, he yeah, he's cited, as as the consciousness revolution unfolds, a complex web of patterns, connections and influences from the human story are now being revealed. Voot's research reintroduces, um, yet yeah, reintroduces us to the omnipresent Osiris, the divinity imminent in humanity. Okay, so now I'll go on to the back page of the blurb, which is, yeah, in a nutshell, what this whole um, hypothesis is about, really. Um, okay, so the timeline of documentary human history, I believe, is unfounded. Um, erosion patterns dictate that the Great Sphinx of Egypt has watched over the Giza Plateau for at least the last 12,000 years, or at least it was since the end of the last ice age. A growing body of geological data suggests that an unknown heat source flash-melted the North American ice sheet, ushering in a catastrophic and devastating 400 feet rise in sea levels across the globe almost overnight. This epoch-ending cataclysm, sometime around 9700 BC, corresponds rather curiously with Plato's mythological town um, of Atlantis, which is also said to have disappeared beneath the waves merely a century later. Mainstream Egyptology currently accredits the construction of the Great Pyramid to a pharaoh, who by his very own words seemingly came across and restored this megalithic limestone and granite colossus. So what else aren't they telling us? There appears to be a significantly profound and adept, excuse me, an adept highest of science hiding behind what we're currently being told. Ancient Egyptian art basically transcends language, and I believe that there's a lot of artifacts to consider. The spirit in the sky basically untangles a scientifically profound mythology surrounding surrounding ancient Egyptian god of the resurrection, Osiris. Osiris is traditionally is depicted as a celestial hunter of the heavens who is immortalized on a macrocosmic scale. Of the constellation of Orion. Osiris however is also considered as the complete embodiment of all things acacia, an abundant ethnobotanical variety known for high potentials of the world's most supra god god-inducing psychoactive entheogen compound which is also produced in the human brain. Famously dubbed the spirit molecule N-endymethyltryptamine, also known as DMT, is also a key ingredient of an ancient Amazonian shamanic intoxicant known as ayahuasca and is thus described as a vine of souls indeed god is divine moreover the molecular structure or microscopic fingerprint of this normal like state of god-induced perception is also a comprehensive match for the constellation of orion i'm suggesting that basically our ancient ancestry from an epoch forgotten have method basically yeah have methodically inserted a premeditated and scientifically viable explanation for the riddance of human consciousness onto the cosmos, and basically asking: Is there a macrocosmic mirror of the molecular structure of the Tree of Life hiding in plain sight? Furthermore, could there be an till Egypt-, Egypt illogical ideal fundamentally supporting a battle weary blueprint for all world religion? The Spirit in the Sky, I am hopeful, offers a suggest. Excuse me, offers a twenty first century translation of the ancient and esoteric adage as 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 above so below that was a mouthful i do apologize
0: as you show in your book the constellation of orion and the molecular structure of dmt they look identical but the molecular structure of dmt is not what it looks like in a microscope. so isn't it just how some scientists decided to draw it so it's more like a coincidence
1: very you, you, have a, you have an argument there for sure, um, but any, any um, let's say, scientifically adept um, or microscopically adept society trying to explain what the molecular structure of a compound would look like um, would in no doubt draw it in the same way. Um, what we have to understand as well also is that um, molecular structures aren't necessarily as hexagonal. Um, uniformly hexagonal, as one might
0: think. Are there any other constellations that have similarities to molecular structures?
1: Indeed, indeed. Um, which is basically what led me to the Osiris mythology in the first place. Um, I was studying some of um, some of Laird Scranton's works, um, who discusses um, a a pre-dynastic. Um, ancient Egyptian tribe that basically migrated west sometime around 3100-3200 BC um, and they they still reside in modern day uh, Mali but it appears that they don't have a, uh, a written language per se they use picto- pictograms um, and symbolic um, structures to basically define um, their, their, their cosmology and creation uh, stories what Lear Scranson discovered was that the, the the pictograms that they were suggestive of, with regards to their cosmological creation story, were mirroring um, modern-day um, physicists' um, diagrams of what's going on with theorized um, notions like string theory, which 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 is almost incredulous. You think, well, this this is it's impossible. How can this be? How can this be? Um, but it's not just Laird Scranton's work that's basically been 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 basically yeah digging 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 in digging into the Dogon uh, history and uh, the cosmology. Really, um, there's there's a, there's a famous book called The Pale Fox um, by Greal and Dieter, I believe it was that spoke to the Dogon um, in the middle of last century, and they had a profound knowledge of the Sirion the, the star system, um, which we basically know today as, um, as Canis Major and Sirius. Um, and they had an abundant wealth of knowledge, which we've only caught up today, uh, I say today, um, towards the end of the last century. Um, and everything that they, I, I guess, documented or referenced um, with their creation cosmology, um, it marries up with modern-day science and, and, and telescopic discoveries that's kind of, it's almost beyond explanation, to be honest. But what Les Franson's trying to say is that this is an inherited knowledge from um, from a civilization that was lost probably at the end of the last ice age. Yeah, sorry, I've kind of, I've digressed there, haven't I? Sorry. Um, yeah, we were talking about the, the molecular structures. So this was where I was going with the dog, and I beg your pardon.
0: Can you just say a bit about the Dogon for people who might not know what that tribe or indigenous community is? It's an
1: ancient, they are a, yeah, they're an ancient um, modern-day primitive tribe that still um modern-day uh, Mali, yeah, in Western Africa. Um, and Laird Scranton's work um, basically dictates that they were at one point in time considered Egyptian themselves. And it appears that their um, their pictogram system correlates um, yeah inexplicably with um, ancient Egyptian hieroglyphs. There's a point of origin there that they they, they, they share in common. There's, 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 there's something going on there with um, an, I guess a profound understanding of a high, a higher science. Um, yeah, not that the Dogon, let's say, understand the the, the subatomic structures um, of quantum physics, don't get me wrong, but I believe that they've remembered um, certain sciences through mythological connotations um, and creation stories that are shared around the world, to be fair.
0: Maybe the Dogans were the actual tribe that was exiled from Egypt in, in the Bible?
1: yeah sure that's a wonderful suggestion and i've never actually i've not considered that myself and i think there's there's definitely food for thought there there's definitely food for thought there um with regard to the um the molecular structures again as well they um the Dogen, i couldn't i couldn't find um the original source material for this um it was yeah (laughs) I, i do cover it in the book but it's um It's something that I'm, which basically led me to the, um, I guess the discovery, um, of the spirit in the sky hypothesis. Herodotus, it was, it was said sometime around 400 BC, um, was said to have visited the, the Dogen tribe. Yeah. Chronicled his, his time with them. And it was said that, um, while he was there, they were, they were in the middle of a, um, a 50 year celebration, um. For for their for their celebrated tree of life, um, which was cannabis, um, they were known as a cannabis, I guess cannabis loving tribe. Um, and then Herodotus was was yeah inquisitive. He says, okay, so where does where does this tree of life come from? Um, mythology says that the Dogon Elder points to the um, the brightest yeah the brightest star in the winter sky, being serious, and say it, it comes from the Two dog Star. Which doesn't really kind of make a lot of sense, to be fair. Um, unless, yeah, Little Green Men really, really did bring that with them. Which doesn't kind of, yeah, it sounds a little crazy. And I I do err on caution with regard to that. Um, but what else do they mean? Which is where I looked at the mythology through a different lens altogether, to be fair. Um, pretty much a, um, a lens of a microscope. I decided to to look deeper inside i guess the, the the molecular structure of um or the deeper fabric of what it of what cannabis um looks like um or thc um looks like under the microscope rather bizarrely i found that the molecular structure could also be drawn with the um the star grouping of canis major the the proverbial two dogs in the sky you have canis Yeah, Canis Minor and Canis Major. It's the two-dog star system, um, which makes kind of a lot of sense. More sense than, I guess, that it literally came from Sirius. It came from space.
0: When you look in the sky, people have decided that these constellations should look like this or they should look like that. But you could connect the dots and make other constellations if you want to. So it's interesting that the constellations that were created fit molecular structures or what certain substances look like under a microscope? Because ancient astrologers logically would not have known what things look like under a microscope.
1: Well, no, I, I, I personally don't think that the Dogen knew the molecular structure um, of the compound cannabis. You know, I don't believe they knew what tetrahannab, uh, excuse me, tongue let's just say THC. Um, I don't believe they, they actually knew what it looked like. But I, I believe that they've inherited a mythology from someone who clearly did. Um, and they knew, they understood it. So, um, I mean, look what's going on in America at the moment um, with the, the medicinal properties um, of, of cannabis. It don't. There's probably a pun here as well. It quite clearly is out of this world. Um, but whether it came from space, um, I'm not so certain. I think that the Dogon might have some kind of inherited knowledge, like Lairs is quite clearly depicting in, in his works at the moment with regard to the um yeah, the subatomic um never worlds of quantum, quantum science, really. Um, which does sound mind-blowing and bamboozling. Um but but something happened a long time ago at the end of the last ice age. Um that we're clearly not giving our ancestors um, enough credit for really the end of the last ice age seems to seems to correspond rather conveniently also with plato's mythological tale of atlantis lust, which disappeared again beneath the waves sometime around 9600 bc but the 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 large Growing body of um, geological data at the moment suggests that there was a cataclysm at the end of the last ice age, sometime around 9,700 BC. Um, a mere hundred years later, um, Plato's yeah mythological account of Atlantis' loss, um, something quite clearly happened. And I, 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 yeah, I, I don't think that the, the 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 flood myth is a myth per se. Um, it quite clearly happened. But what happened? We're still searching for. Um, we know we know that sea levels rose around this time as well by by 400 feet. We don't know what the heat source was, but we know that the North American ice cap, the Laurentide ice sheet, was pretty much flash melted within a 24 to to, to 48 hour period, um, and an ice sheet that covered pretty much the most of North America, um, which is. In excess, in in some parts, two miles thick, um, and that's a that's a large body of water. Um, yeah, that did happen. We don't know what happened. There are a lot of a lot of ideas on the table at the moment. Um, comet impacts, um, solar flares, something happened though to 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 melt that body of ice, um, and it, it quite clearly took took a, a heck of a lot with it as well. Yeah, if you imagine the, the 400 feet um, rising sea levels, most coastal towns, um, cities, hubs of well trade are all around um, coastal regions, you know, um, no, there's not enough ice at the minute to flash melt and, and do the same again, but, but, but that quite clearly happened a, a long time ago. And we're still, and we're, well, yeah, we're ignoring it, which, which really can't continue.
0: But indigenous cultures would also claim that they get their knowledge from the plants. So if you orally ingest a large quantity of THC, uh, then you will have a psychedelic experience. So maybe the Dogons did, did, in fact, journey inward and they did see the microscopic version of what THC actually looks like. Maybe.
1: There's no reason why... Um we have to remember as well that DMT is, is endogenous. It's inside us. It's, it's, it's part of us. It's, it's, um, yeah, <laughs> we don't know what it is, <laughs> but we know where it is now. Um, and it's, uh, yeah, it's in the lungs. It's in, excuse me, it's in the spinal, uh, fluid. Um, it's in our eyes and more importantly, it's secreted, um, by the pineal gland. Um, it appears through Dr. Rick Strassman's Um, vast body of work um this is basically what got me interested in it to be fair um i saw the i saw dr rick strassman's spirit molecule documentary and it 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 blew me away it really did blow, blow me away um but there was something inside me I'd, I'd never seen, I'd never, prior to that, I'd never seen what the the molecular structure of this, uh, this emphagin, God-inducing compound actually looked like. Um, but when I did, it struck a chord. I knew I'd seen it somewhere before. I knew I'd seen it somewhere before. Um, and I, it, yeah, I didn't know where. I didn't know where. And it was, it was driving me crazy. Um, but it was, it was when I, I guess furthered my my curiosity with the Dogon revelation that I found that their molecular structure for their celebrated tree of life matching um, the the Suryan star system. Um, knowing, armed with Scranton's knowledge, they at one time um, were ancient Egyptian before before migrating west to modern day Mali. I couldn't yeah I couldn't help but wonder if that. That borrowed this 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 tried and tested formula um, from not so much, I guess, ancient Egypt. I don't know what they're they're remembering. Something far more profound than, um, yeah. Don't get me. Wrong. I'm not knocking the medicinal properties of THC, um, not at all. But I think that the 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 compound that we're talking about at the moment um, is is it essentially responsible for for, for almost all <clears throat> almost all well religion to be fair it's super illicit it's illegal it's, it's 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 off limits it's out of bounds and I find that fascinating I really do I found that fascinating and my fascination was compounded by what I found when I looked into the the celebrated tree of life of ancient Egypt and their their celebrated god of resurrection Osiris. Um, the the correlations just they they just came thick and fast. It was it was pretty unbelievable. To be fair,
0: could you briefly explain the mythology of Osiris for the listeners?
1: The mythology dictates that um, I guess a long time ago that Osiris was invited to a a grand ball at at, at his brother's palace, and all the all the guests that were at the ball, it's quite like the, um, the Cinderella um, narrative, which is quite wonderfully told as well. It's the same Osiris mythology, um, whoever this, this slipper fits. But the guests at this, this, this elaborate banquet at the ball were asked to, to basically test out this, this wonderfully elaborate coffer um, or, 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 or coffin, I guess, um, and whoever whoever fit it most perfect could 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 for all intent all intended purposes keep it. Everyone everyone obviously tried. They were too too wide, too small, too long, too short. However you however you prefer. Um, until the turn of Osiris, Osiris, Osiris. Um, apparently it was it was it was made to measure. It was a perfect fit. Um, but unfortunately for Osiris, he was. He was dealt quite a short hand here because he was tripped by his brother Seth, um, and he and he and his followers basically um, entombed Osiris inside the coffin um, and set him adrift on the on on, on the shore, oh, excuse me on the river on the River Nile, where after time Osiris' watery grave his tomb washed washed ashore um, on the shores of uh, modern day Lebanon. Back then it was known as um, Byblos. The coffer ran aground and it, it, it came, became further entombed within um, a wonderful tamarisk tree. And this, this tamarisk tree, over time, grew, grew so beautiful that the king of Byblos um, ordered its felling, where it would, would basically be recarved and adorned the walls of his palace. In time, Osiris's lover, Isis, had learned um, of, of Osiris' fate and, and, and bargained with the king of Byblos. Um, to to free his lover from from inside this this great tamarisk tree this um, this pillar of acacia, Osiris was rescued from inside. He he wasted no time in in impregnating his wife Isis before his brother um, Seth dispatched of him once and for all, chopped him up into a number of pieces, dispersed him across the country, um, where it was then said that Osiris then became synonymous with the constellation of Orion in the night sky as the reborn god of resurrection yeah we have a mythology here that basically describes um an Egyptology hold firm to this today um that sometime a long time ago um an ancient Egyptian god of resurrection was tricked set adrift um become encased in a a great tree and his wife rescued him therein, and then he became a constellation forevermore. Um, which I find, I find, almost amusing to be honest, because it sounds it sounds like um, a comic book version of what could possibly actually be going on here. Um, and I think we've been almost ignoring a grown-up's manual of what this mythology might actually be saying deeper inside the context of the mythology. Um, I believe that Osiris being entombed inside the pillar of acacia is an allegory for where to find, um, where to find the god Osiris in the natural world. I mean, what do I mean by this? Yeah, the acacia or tamarisk tree is known for one of the highest potentials of extractable DMT which I find extremely curious, um, knowing that this god of resurrection that is now synonymous with the constellation of Orion and also known as the tree of life, their tree of life being the um, the acacia variety, the blood of Osiris or the life force of Osiris could be likened to the, the sap of the acacia variety. And if we look deeper within the signature of the sap of the acacia variety, we find a molecular structure that looks exactly the same as Osiris in the night sky or the constellation of Orion.
0: So do you think those ancient Egyptians were using DMT in some way?
1: I don't think that the ancient Egyptians were, no. I think that, again, like the Dogen, I guess, um, I think they're remembering a mythology and essentially not being let's say technologically astute enough to understand it in its in its deeper meaning in its entirety like a um, like, like we are today like we can today um, scientifically adept um, to do that. I, I believe that they've been handed let's say the keys of, 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 of conscious awareness through mythology from a civilization which pre-existed before the the yeah the cataclysmic end to the last um the last ice age yeah i think they're remembering through 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 myth through symbol um through constellations and i think they're giving another technologically astute higher society like ourselves the fundamental keys to 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 unlock this mystery really (laughs) i I believe that the ancient Egyptians believe what the what Egyptologists believe today. I believe that yeah, that they probably did believe in, in yeah um, animal-headed deities um, and their mythological connotations um, that are attached to them. I don't think that they understand the deeper meaning that is um, attached to these these these, these um, symbolic. Um, mythological scientific explanations, if, if if I may be so bold, it's it's fairly common now to under I guess to understand the the, the, the ancient Egyptian deity Hathor, if we look at her face indirectly, it's basically a cross section of a uterus, and she's a god of fertility, and rather rather bizarrely as well, this god of fertility, she has um, what yeah what what looks like. Um, I guess flower buds or, or something strange, I guess, coming out of their ears, which Egyptologists really, they can't explain. They can't explain. But then if you if, if you then look at that image next to the cross-section of, of the uterus, you then understand that they are the ovaries.
0: So you think the people of Atlantis or whatever you want to call it, uh that civilization that was lost do you think those people used DMT
1: yeah i think they understood it i think they understood it there's no doubt in my mind to be fair i think the same thing was probably going on in south america realistically ayahuasca to be yeah <laughs> to be to be brewed from i guess in excess of some 40000 yeah different different um, varieties to, to actually find the two that give this spiritual emancipation, this this soul cleansing experience that shaman have spoken about for thousands and thousands of years. I think that sounds like quite an idyllic community, to be fair. Um, and I don't think that they were the, the, the bloodthirsty savages that were as sacrificial um, as, as history may well say anyone that I guess attestifies to, to their own DMT or ayahuasca experience, um, the last thing they're thinking of is sacrificing people and lopping off heads. It's <laughs> it's a little bit crazy because I think today we've got it all wrong. This substance is illegal. This substance makes you it <laughs> makes you makes you nice. <laughs> There's no other way to put it, is there, really?
0: I don't think it was ever the so-called indigenous people of, of that region that committed large-scale wars or sacrifice, but rather those people in those days that formed societies, that formed civilizations. Because uh, society doesn't function as it is supposed to function if the citizens are you know, tripping all the time. No,
1: certainly, certainly, certainly. Um, but there is no doubt that these other um, sub- substances were, were being used whether it was um, psilocybin. Again, psilocybin, it's been the the, the correlation that I'm talking about in the spirit of the sky with regards to the Osiris mythology. We discussed briefly earlier, um, you asked me if there are any more. Yeah, we discussed the Dogen and their their cannabis um, tree of life and the molecular structure thereof. We've actually expanded the the spirit and sky correlation further as well. And it's quite profound what we've actually found we've now correlated um, the expansion of the DMT molecule or the, um, the constellation of Orion, per se. If we expand that into Leapers just below it, which would be a natural progression, the, the, the stars are named thus, and the chemical that it depicts, suggests that somebody a long time ago is now depicting the chemical formula for serotonin because the stars are also named after the endocrinal functions of serotonin i.e. joyfulness and well-being the stars that correlate um with 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 lepus, um one of them in particular is named nile n-a excuse me n-i-h-a-l um, and that's an, that's an ancient, ancient Indian Christ, uh, Christian name, um, which is yeah got strong, strong connotations for joyfulness and, and, and balance and well being. So there's a lot more up there, and psilocybin's there too. Don't be surprised. It's um, yeah we're not just talking about one psycho psychoactive structure in the sky. It appears to be there appears to be quite a lot up there. Um, almost a a pharma excuse me an astropharmacological manifest, as it were. Um, And it it does go a lot deeper than the initial spirit in the sky hypothesis. There's a lot more out there. I believe, I think there's a great, um, I think Graham Hancock summed it up quite nice when he was talking about the body um, being a receiver for a signal, the conscious being a signal. Um, And he likened um, that signal to a TV signal and the body being a TV. Um, Let's say you toss a brick through the proverbial TV screen. Yes, the TV um, is broken or the body is broken but the uh the signal is still there. is very much there it's it's just a matter of yeah where that signal goes where it comes from that's that's the research we need to be looking into
0: i have this theory that like when you uh, take a microphone and you put it towards the speaker you get this feedback noise and also when you Hook a video camera to a TV and you film the TV, you also get this visual feedback effect. So maybe when you take psychedelics, you are the reason you experience what you experience is because you enter some sort of feedback loop with your own mind. So, uh, no, no, you're resonating
1: at a higher frequency. There's no doubt, there's a higher form of consciousness there there's no doubt um I think we're almost somewhat blindly poking around in outer space and congratulating each other how 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 kind of wonderful we are that we're the greatest um but I think the bounds of inner space need to be explored a whole lot more before we yeah before we understand what's (laughs) what's outside this shell of ours you know um let's look inside which is a in fact, I almost—I um, should have spoke about this earlier. Let, let's let's really look inside. The gods really do reside inside us. In in, in 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 that kind of statement. The research that I've been made aware of rather recently um, by a gentleman by the name of Brad Clausen. Um, he appears on the, the, the Magical Egypt series, um, and his his depiction, let's say, a posterior view um, of the human brainstem, is extremely extremely symbolic of a crucified christ a crucified christ which is where my research comes in as well osiris depicts exactly the same thing we have the the traditional crook and flail which yeah any ancient egyptian bus will show you um literally go hand hand over hand um, across the chest which correlates with the uh, cerebral peduncles um, of the the, the human brainstem, and it's quite fascinating, it's quite fascinating, and we find that on the crucifix as well, where where Christ is, where his head lies, um, that's actually symbolic of the pineal gland, Um, even more bizarre is the, the, I believe, the crown of thorns, that um, is symbolic of of Christ's crown of thorns, I believe that to be symbolic of the acacia, the crown of acacia thorns, um, which again is is DMT. And yes, Christ is inside us. Good the gods are inside us. DMT is inside us. And I think yeah, I think this needs to be researched. Maybe it has been researched. Maybe that's why it's off limits. But yeah, that's that's what we're researching, right?
0: <laughs> why do you think many mainstream Christians think that what you just said is sacrilegious? when in fact, if they would embrace what you said, they could actually meet Christ face to face.
1: It's crazy how it's... (laughs) Yeah, Um, to be fair as well, I'm not sure if you're aware of of the work, Um, a gentleman named Bill Donahue that that describes the Bible. (laughs) He basically describes the Bible as, let's say, um, in (laughs) no... No uncertain terms. Um, he gives us a grown-up's version, if if I may be so bold. It would appear that, yeah, I, I'm not here to offend anyone or step on anyone's toes, but it, it looks like we still believe a comic book version of what we're being told with regards to, um, yeah, the good book, should we say. Um, he, yeah, <laughs> he even talks about the cycles of the sun. Um, or the Son of God. Um, I've got a quote here from him if you bear with me. Yeah, (laughs) a better understanding of of what's actually going on in the Bible. I understand what people um, believe when I'm about to quote this, but this, in my mind, makes a lot more sense. So, So Bill states that in the ninth month of pregnancy also, September, the sun, by the trajectory of the earth, appears to be born out of the constellation of Virgo, the Virgin. In the 11th month, it appears to pass through the constellation of the cross, and thus the sun, or sun, is crucified. In the winter solstice, quite literally sun still, our sun sits, or sun again, sits in, um, excuse me, sits in the temple of the earth for three days and three nights. By December the 25th, our sun is born again, bringing warmth and light to the world once again. 30 years after his birth, Jesus goes into the water of, excuse me, goes into the water of um, John the Baptist, thirty days after excuse me, thirty days after the twenty fifth of December, the sun appears in Aquarius, the water bearer. Our son then leaves John and picks his disciples from the fishermen, as our son then moves into Pisces. Jesus then becomes the Lamb of God, takes away the sins of the world, as the sun appears to move to the to the sign of the Lamb, Aries, which takes away the cold of winter. He then sits at the right hand of the Father. In the northern hemisphere, the sun moves to the right hand side excuse me, of the eastern sky, thus we have our summer. Jesus then concludes his career as the Lion of Judah, as the sun concludes its journey through August in the constellation of Leo, the lion. Yeah, what do we want to believe here? Um, A cosmological pattern for actually what's going on around us, or that we have a resurrected guy, yeah, walking on water, choosing friends from fishermen. Bill Donahue describes this in a manner which... Which brings the, the, the Bible to a whole new scientific arena, to be fair. Um, I, I'll probably get the chapter wrong, but from the top of my head, it's Genesis twenty nine thirty, where Jacob meets God. And he says that he was in the town of Peniel, where he saw the face of God and survived. Now, the, 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 the town of Peniel is... It stands between two temples, and the only two temples apparently on the earth that aren't made by man's hands. Now, the only temples that aren't made by man's hands are the temples of the cranium and the skull.
0: And that actually houses
1: the pineal gland.
0: Yeah, and then he saw the angels descend and ascend uh, on the ladder
1: no for sure again but then we can talk about jacob's ladder and the 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 39 steps we had excuse me 33 steps you've got 33 bones in the spinal column which leads up to the excuse me to the 12 believe it or not the 12 main nerves which 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 connects to the, the spinal column to the brainstem. um so there's your there's yeah there's your 12 disciples
0: some people, when they find out about stuff like this and go down this rabbit hole, they might lose their Christianity. But I think it is actually liberating because, from my experience, the stuff Jesus preaches—well, it's the same stuff that the mushroom preaches, you know, which is love.
1: No, sure. Um, again, it's—I'm not in in any way, shape, or form trying to trying to disrespect people or. Um, upset anyone or offend anyone with regards to what I'm saying. Um, I'm not saying everyone's wrong. Um, on the contrary, I'm saying everyone's right, but I'm not, I'm not certain that they understand that they understand why, you know, and don't get me wrong. I'm not saying I have all the answers. I mean, science doesn't really know what this, 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 um, this DMT compound really is per se, you know, but we know that it permeates throughout the natural world. It's in, it's in everything. You know, um, without it, we can't function as as human beings. It's it's two trivial steps away from being described as tryptophan, which is an, an essential amino acid, which is responsible for producing essential um, proteins.
0: You know, Genesis has the word gene in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, there you go. That's do you know what? I've not heard
1: that, and I do like that. I, <laughs> that's um, yeah, that's symbolic itself. Um, again, Bill Donahue talks about. The, the Adam and Eve creation story. I mean, what is going on there? We're either going to believe that a um, yeah a young English couple are naked in the jungle talking to a snake, which is what is being basically practiced and preached um, at the moment, or we can take it as Adam and Eve and the basically the 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 description where God takes ad excuse me removes adam's rib that's the splitting of the atom there's a lot there's a lot to there's a big rabbit hole to go down there with bill donahue and there's a there's probably a three or four more podcasts there um (laughs) but again i'm 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 trying to express some of this um profound insight really um through the work of the spirit in the sky yeah i'm trying to i guess serve it to 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 a public that uh, is, is being kind of systematically hoodwinked by the state, really. Yeah, it's, um, there's, 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 a, there's, a, there's a deeper meaning to, to what's going on here. Yet we're all fighting amongst each other, saying that our invisible God is better than your invisible God. And we're going to keep fighting and missing the bigger picture. And the bigger picture, I believe, has been painted for us thousands and thousands of years ago with um, yeah, mythological, allegorical connotations and mythologies trying to point us in the right direction. And I think we've ignored it for far too long.
0: It would be cool if they looked at every biological thing in nature and try and figure out how many of them actually do contain DMT. And I suspect most of them do, you know, maybe 70% at least. Uh, it's probably something almost as common as DNA, maybe.
1: Yeah, it's 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 in it's in it's ingrained in us, and it's ingrained in text and scriptures um, throughout time. Really, I think um, you probably discussed it with Rick Strassman. Um, what an inquisitively curious mind um, that gentleman has! Wow, um, I think it was himself that put together the um, the Tibetan Book of the Dead and how they talk about the the rebirth of um, or the reincarnation of one soul to another takes takes place over a period of 49 days and he found that the human embryo after 49 days the pineal gland actually appears and it's on the 49th day also that the human embryo um, decides its sexual preference
0: yeah it was reading that when i decided that abortion is murder if it happens after 49 days (laughs) no no it's uh, no you laugh but
1: Uh, there's i think there's a lot of logic should we care to look um, involved with that, you know. Um, I think even in Christianity I, 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 may, <laughs> I may get my um, celebrations wrong, but I'm pretty certain that after excuse me after Easter they have Passover and the period between um, both celeb- celebrations are um, 49 days. And that is talking about the resurrection of a God again.
0: So if people want to read your book, where can they find it? Quite beautifully, it's it's on Amazon.
1: <laughs> it comes from the Amazon, but no, we can find it on Amazon.com. Thank mm-hmm. you. And yeah, I, I can be found on um, on Twitter as well at Voot Richard. It's a uh, strange spelling. It's V O O G H T Richard. The book is now available on Amazon. But um, a nice prerequisite, um, should you be interested with regards to the discussion that we've had today, is if you actually um, visit Graham Hancock's website um and go on to the author of the month archive last month um i was author of the month on the website and there's a yeah a less stuttery um less nervous guy on the end of (laughs) a podcast describing exactly what the um the hypothesis is all about so yeah if you visit author of the month um graham com, you can get um yeah an in-depth heads up to the spirit in the sky hypothesis
0: So thanks for taking the time to be on the podcast.
1: Thank you so much for inviting me. It's been an absolute pleasure. and I'm sure we'll have a lot more to discuss in the future as well.
0: We mentioned Graham Hancock uh, in this talk here. And um, I want to play a short sample from an interview he did where he talks about who built the pyramids because it's a bit related to what we have been talking about.
2: How do I think the pyramids were built? To be honest, I have no answer to that question. And anybody who tells you that he or she knows how the pyramids were built are not telling the truth, because we don't know. We don't know. The Great Pyramid contains a number of mysteries. The Great Pyramid, first of all, is very big. The Great Pyramid weighs six million tons. We can calculate that from its mass. It weighs weighs six million tons. Its footprint is 13 acres. It's more than 750 feet along each side. It's 481 feet tall. More than two and a half million individual blocks of stone were used in its construction. But it's not just big. It's really, really precise. The The Great Pyramid is locked in to the cardinal dimensions of our planet. The Great Pyramid is targeted on true north within three sixtieths of a single degree. Now, no modern builder would create a large building and add onto his or her shoulders the additional burden of aligning it to true north within a fraction of a single degree. They just wouldn't get it. They wouldn't understand why it was important to do that. But something drove the builders of the Great Pyramid to go to a very great additional trouble, not only to create this massive imposing monument, but also to lock it on to true north. And then other things, to incorporate into its dimensions, the dimensions of our planet. I don't want to get too numerical or or possibly even boring here, but if you take the height of the Great Pyramid and multiply it by 43,200, you get the polar radius of the earth. And if you measure the base perimeter of the Great Pyramid accurately and multiply that measurement by 43,200, you get the equatorial circumference of the Earth. In other words, for thousands of years, through times, through dark ages, when human beings didn't even know they lived on a planet, never mind its dimensions, that monument has been, has encoded and speaks out the dimensions of our planet on a scale of 1 to 43,200. And the scale is not random. The number 43,200 is derived from a key motion of the Earth, which is called the precession of the Earth's axis. The Earth wobbles on its axis very slowly at the rate of one degree every 72 years. And 43,200 is a multiple of 72. In fact, I think it's 600 times 72, but I would need to double-check that. But it's a multiple of 72. Check it out. So they've given us the dimensions of our planet on a scale defined by the planet itself. And that's an incredibly clever thing to do. How on Earth did they do it? Where, where did that knowledge come from? This is why I'm forced to consider the possibility of a lost civilization in the human story. This is a, this is a work of almost, but not quite, space age precision. It contains errors, but they are hu- they are human errors for sure, but they're very tiny. The, s- the great precision, great skill, great craft. Some people will say to you, oh, the Great Pyramid was built by slaves. That is utter bullshit. No slaves were ever involved in the construction of the Great Pyramid. As far as I know, there were no slaves uh, in Old Kingdom Egypt whatsoever. The Great Pyramid, I've climbed it five times. I've been in every known chamber in the Great Pyramid. It is a work of stunning artistic achievement you're looking at the work of masters of architecture at the peak of their skill, not an unwilling labor force, but but people who gave their labor to that work with love and with care and with attention. There are blocks of stone weighing 70 tons that have been raised more than 300 feet above the ground. And we're not talking a couple of blocks. We're talking dozens of blocks of that weight. The average block weighs about two and a half tons. Um, It's the moving of those huge blocks of stone their arrangement into a high-precision monument and the achievement of actually doing it because, you know, if you make a small mistake at the base, by the time you get to the summit of your 480-foot-high one foot high pyramid, you don't have a pyramid, you have a corkscrew. You know? <laughs> they got it all right. And nobody today can explain how they did it with the knowledge that is supposed to have been available in ancient Egypt, in the Old Kingdom, and with the tools that are supposed to have been available. And that's why I can't help feeling that we are missing some chapter from the human story.
0: So I've started recording myself in my car whilst driving, talking about various films that I enjoy and highly recommend. Films that might be unknown to you. Films that are sometimes under the radar, but not always. I've decided to call this segment The Moving Image in a Moving Vehicle. I will not have these in every single episode, but now and then when I feel like it, and I will feel like it in this very episode, In fact, right now. So let's listen to the moving image in a moving vehicle. I think if I had to say my favorite film of all time and the film I've probably seen the most of all films uh, is John Borman's Excalibur that came out in the early 80's I think this is an amazing film it's a beautiful film and it's a very inspiring film And of course, it's it's an adaption of the the Arthurian legends and the quest for the Holy Grail. And if you don't like or have any interest in the Arthurian legends or the Holy Grail, perhaps you will not like this film, (laughs) because that's all it is. Uh, but if you have an interest in mythology, in legends, in knights in shining armor, then you should really watch this film. And uh, the guy who plays Merlin in this film does an excellent job. And the film is kind of told through Merlin's perspective and he has many great quotes in the film. That uh, I've kind of memorized, and you know, I know every scene, every shot in that film by heart. And what George Mormon did when he made that film was he did a very clever move. He uh, used uh, Wagner's music in many scenes, especially, well, in particular, Siegfried's funeral march from the Ring Cycle which uh, is kind of like the theme of the film and it just fits perfectly. Uh, and uh, this film is very important to me as well, because if, if I hadn't seen this film when I did, when I was about maybe, I don't know, six, seven, eight years old, uh, if I hadn't seen this film, my interest in the Arthurian legends would never have sparked which would mean that my interest in the Holy Grail would not have sparked my interest in Joseph of Arimathea the guy who supposedly buried Jesus and uh, collected his blood in the in a cup which became the Holy Grail If, if I hadn't seen this film I would never have started this search for the Holy Grail which would eventually lead me into alchemy spirituality and eventually I would one day sit at a ceremony in front of a Shipibo Ayahuasquero in the Amazon and in my hand I would hold the Holy Grail (laughs) the cup Cup of Christ, and I would drink. And what happened after I drank that first cup was the most intense, amazing, earth shattering experience of my whole life, at least up till that point. And this event took place well maybe 25 years after I watched Excalibur the first time so it was a long journey and I don't want to bore you with the details but basically this film led me to that place and uh, I really suggest this film if you want to watch a uh, mythical beautiful fairy tale and also a A film that's spiritually well portrayed you know there's a lot of allegory in this film so if you haven't seen it watch it it's much better than the Lord of the Rings and any other film in that genre but that's in my humble opinion You might think Excalibur seems dated if you watch it or childish or nerdy but hey it's a very important film for me growing up. I adore it. Now let's listen to Wintergatan and the amazing marble machine. And this instrument, this machine is powered by hand and it works by raising steel marbles through the machine into multiple feeder tubes and then they are released. And uh, uh, you can program these release gates and they fall and they strike musical instruments below. It's very hard to explain with words. So if you like the song, I highly suggest you check out the video of this marble machine in action. I've posted it in the program notes on naturalbornalchemist.com. And if you want to check out Win- uh, Wintergatan, go to wintergatan.net. That's W... Well, it's winter... W-I-N-T-E-R And then G-A-T-A-N Gatan dot .net Wintergatan.net. Oh, and if you don't have anything better to do, why not write a nice review on iTunes? Next Sunday, yet another author joins me. Seems like the theme of February 2018 is authors. So till next Sunday stay safe and if you have time don't forget to look up at the stars. Freedom is in the mind.